As we begin to reintegrate into the world post-lockdown, we're confronted with the fact that our lives are not the same as they were before 2020. And with that comes the realization that a lot of us have to relearn, rebuild, and restart. Struggling to do so myself, I wondered how other people are able to rise from the ashes of crumbled moments throughout their lifetime. I'm Rebecca Lee, and this is season two. How the fuck did you bounce back? In this episode, my guest is actor and comedian Jaquise Neal. We talk about the changes that occurred after getting arrested and the devastation that grief and loss causes. This is How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back with guest Jaquise Neal. Hey, thanks for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Um, of course. Okay, so let's just dive right in. Um, what can you think of anything in your life, whether it's like in your childhood, in your adolescence or in your adult life that was particularly challenging for you that kind of made you either, you know, second guess what you were doing or or made you wonder like where you were headed yeah. or like just anything like that. It could be a breakup or I don't know, maybe you flunked a test or something. <laughs> Oh, Whatever. all the tests that I flunked got me, <laughs> got me to where I'm at right now. Um, <laughs> no, I, um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, um, I mean, probably the biggest thing that, you know, changed the course of my life possibly was, um, was getting arrested when I was 16. Um, I I got so at all right so I'm 16 years old living on the south side of Chicago um and at this point I was making music uh, I was signed to a a Chicago label um rapping and you know just living the life of a 16 year old teenager on the south side of Chicago who was in the music industry uh sure. and also decided you know that maybe I'll try selling selling a little bit of weed too, you know. Um, and I did, and I got caught by uniformed officers, which is embarrassing. Um, which uh, and and I got <laughs> it's so embarrassing. Like I wish it would have been like some undercover cops that got me. Yeah, like, sure. Now it was uniform. I didn't even see him coming. I was selling to this dude. Um, and again, this I'm 35, so this is almost 20 years ago. Uh, and I'm sure. selling to this dude, and and like looking back on it now as a full grown adult, I'm like this nigga was shady. Probably he was like looking at the weed and like inspecting it, like yo, what is this? Is this real stuff? I mean, if it almost feels like he was probably about to rob my ass or some shit. Oh really? I was gonna say, was he like in on it with the cops? I doubt but... it. I doubt it because yeah. he ran. He ran. <laughs> and then the other two friends of mine who are, we were also out, we were like around 79th uh, in Chicago, which if anybody listens who's from Chicago, they know that area. Um, and I was with two other homies and them motherfuckers ran too. I was the only one that got caught. And they, like two uniformed officers came, slammed me up against the wall. It was like, open your mouth, open your mouth. And I didn't know what they meant. Um, and now I'm seeing they mean like, open your mouth, to see if I had like, you know, rocks in my mouth, like cocaine or oh, some shit. Oh, fuck. Uh, to see if I was selling more than just weed. And 
and I did. Uh, I was not, and they arrested me, but booked me and all that good stuff. And my mom, and I, you know, luckily I was 16. If I was 17, I would have been booked as an adult. Uh, but I was 16, so I was still booked as a minor. That's so fucking, even that is, uh, there's so many things that are fucked I up mean, about this. But, yeah. like, also the fact that 17 is an adult yeah. is absolutely insane. It's very weird. I don't. I don't really understand, like our laws of age because 18 is considered like an adult federally right right um and everywhere follows that for certain things but for crimes in illinois at least and most other states uh 17 is considered an adult so you could be tried as an adult and not a teenager which i know the reason that is the younger they can get black kids and people in the system the better so i i get yeah. it but and then like also 17 is like the age of consent in some places but in other places it's 18 and some places it's six it's like the law and then you got to be 21 to drink and like it the laws of and then like the 18 to like buy a cigarette or war or whatever right. be enlisted in the army yeah. or military or whatever yeah because it's all arbitrary it's, it's all just like arbitrary. whatever it's whatever, like, is helpful for the fucking system that is already yeah. so fucked. And they're like, we'll just do it we'll that just way. do it that way. Um, <laughs> it's fucking weird. But anyway, so, yeah, I got arrested. Yeah. And to make a long story short, uh, I got arrested. And um, my mom had to come pick me up. Because I was a minor, all I had to do was uh, go to drug class, <laughs> take three clean pee tests. <laughs> so I was in there for three months. You can take one every 30 days. Um, once a week, it was like therapy, basically. That's all it was. Right. Yeah, and um, was it just like don't do drugs? Like it was just like a dare class or whatever. Um, no, it was it was individual therapy. Um, oh, so it was actually it was actually pretty interesting looking back. Like, you know, we got to talk. I they asked me about everything, like life and shit. You know, you just got to talk. It was pretty much like wow. therapy and i think the overall thing was like why do you smoke why do you do drugs why are you selling drugs let's get to the bottom of who you are and what led you to these decisions uh which is the questions that we should be asking ourselves for everything uh i guess totally um so it was basically just therapy with the caveat that like i said you have to pee three clean tests once a month sure um and after that like i pretty much um I was like, all right, what, what the fuck, what, what, what am I doing? You know, like, I'm mm -hmm. making music. The music industry is a wild business, especially in the hip hop industry, especially in, you know, this is 20 years ago, 2002 mm -hmm. or three, somewhere around this. And so it's just a different time. And I'm like, all right, what's going on? Obviously, my mom is mad. I wasn't necessarily grounded, but I wasn't really, I, ju I kind of like, regressed from like the group of people that i was hanging out with because i why do you think why do you think that is because I, I feel like that's not that's not always the case with everybody yeah you know i mean i grew up in a very christian religious household oh. uh and but very it was mostly my grandmother who was very christian and religious and and she you know was the matriarch of the family my mom had me when she was 16 mm. so like she Got was it. young, so I lived with my mom and grandma and the whole family for, you know, up until, shit, I was 12 or 13. Um, mm -hmm. 
and so it was just a very religious household and and i, I and, and and like you know i the traject the trajectory of like like I was always an honor student and all this shit. And like during this time, like in high school, I'm like getting C's and D's. I, I've never liked school, but I've always just been good at school. I just wasn't like applying myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was getting high every day, which is fine. I get high every day now. But like at this point, yeah, like say, me too. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just like, all right, what what am I doing? Like because, like I for lack of a better word, have been groomed for more, right? Like, my entire life. Like, my mom was a single teenage mom who sacrificed a lot to make sure I wasn't a statistic. And I was leading down the path of statistic. Uh, And I don't say that in a way, like, I look down. Like, you know, this conversation is very nuanced. Uh, So I'm not saying that, like, anybody who does drugs is a statistic. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying yeah. is I was leaning down a path where it's like, I don't know what I want to do. Like, or, you know, like what, what greatness, blah, 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 like can you mm-hmm. achieve, right? I'm just kind of doing it, right? And, and, and in many yeah. ways, I'm happy about this period in my life, and I'll tell you why. Because I, once I got arrested and I was just, so I kind of relented. I was just like, I need to take a step back and just kind of soul search and like figure out what what are you doing, Jackies? Like, who are you gonna be? What are you gonna be? Who are you? Like, what are you? And uh, in this time, my guidance counselor also was like, all right, do you wanna go to college? What do you wanna do? Like, I was like, I don't know. He's like, well, what do you wanna do when you grow up? And I just happened to say, uh, I don't know. I like entertaining people because I had always I would talent shows and all types of shit when I was growing up, uh, with fake like game show host and shit like that. So I was like, I like <laughs> I like entertaining people. And he was like, Okay, let's put you in theater arts class. And I was like, All right, cool. And I jumped in theater arts class in the midst of me just kind of like chilling on the back end, chilling at the crib, not really hanging out with my old friends, not doing much after school curricular shit. I was like, I'm going to audition for the school play. Fuck it. Like, fuck it. Like, and I auditioned for the school play. I, I'm a junior in high school, braids, throwback jersey. You know how drama geeks are. I come in, and they like, who is this nigga? Like, who the fuck is <laughs> And I come in, and I hit the stage, and there's Oliver Twist as the play. And I come in, I've never done a British accent. I just, like, pick it up, <laughs> do it, crush it. Just crush it. Booked, like, one of the lead roles. And the Hell fucking yeah. like play and decided like, ah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> like this is yeah. this is the path I'm on. This is where I'm going. This is and like I've been acting ever since. And like, you know, and here we yeah. are. <laughs> so and, like yeah. it all stemmed from like that moment of getting arrested and Yeah. You know. I I think I find it interesting because it's like you had that moment of like soul searching or like your come to jesus moment or whatever the fuck you want to call it like young at like 16 16. years old yeah Yeah. like a lot of people don't have that moment oh well maybe never but oftentimes like way later in life so like i feel like that must have been helpful for you like know what you wanted to do like that young you know i mean i i like it it led me to the place that just felt right right like, I, I did Oliver Twist, and I'm around all these fucking nerds, and, like, 
<laughs> I'm enjoying it. You know, I'm having a good time. I'm around like, you know, I was naturally just like a silly person and just like, you know, doing entertain. And I loved entertaining people. And I was always a class clown. Like I told you, I was an honor student. I went to a private school, so we got graded in conduct. I was always like B minus in conduct because I was always like a class clown and all that. So it was just like, oh, this feels right and this feels fun. Uh, like according to the directors and shit, like I was a natural at it and like I had stage presence and was a natural and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh yeah, I, I like this. So I don't know, it just felt right. It felt like I was home. Right. So then the next year yeah. for senior year, I come in. I was so arrogant. Like <laughs> <laughs> I like junior year, first play, you know, drama kids, they being in this freshman year, junior year. They talk right. about, all right, who's want to be like elected for like next year's uh, like officer positions. I like threw my name in there like I don't who what the fuck. I don't I don't know these kids like I know some of them, but like. They were so mad at me. It was like, who is this motherfucker who's coming in here, booking roles, getting lead roles, thinks he's going to yeah. be like the vice president of the drama club after never being <laughs> in this like club for like entire high school. Uh, but then we did Little Shop of Horrors. And I just remember like I was just loving it. We were in rehearsal. I heard the director who's like one of my mentors uh, still to this day. And. She was just like, I'm so goddamn glad he joined. And like, I was just like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So, yeah, just I, I don't know if it's a come to Jesus moment or whatever. But, you know, because like I can go back into music now. I could fucking I, right. I smoke weed all the all the time. But I think it was just so it wasn't so much that like, what are you doing with your life? It was like. You don't feel like you're at home yet. So you're searching. You're searching for what it yeah. is, right? you know? And Yeah. And when I got arrested, I was like, any place that's home wouldn't leave me here. Right? Oof. Not that not yeah. that like anything is wrong, you know, like the systems, maybe with drug dealers, the systems and it was weed too, like, you know, so uh, it wasn't like I was selling fucking acid or smack or some shit. Right, right, right. But you know, I was just like, anywhere that's home wouldn't necessarily lead me handcuffed to a bench with my mom who raised you know who tries so hard to make sure that like i never got here like has to sit here right. and take me home right and yeah. uh and when i did when i did the plays and got into acting and decided like ha huh, this is what i want to do it was just because it just felt like home it felt right you know, so I ended up being the first person in my family to graduate college and like all this other oh, shit that like fuck. like I was able to do just from like that one moment of, huh, this doesn't feel right. Let's go find what feels right. And once you did, once I did, it was just a natural progression from there. It seemed like. Yeah, but it takes a lot of self-awareness uh, to be like, this doesn't feel like home, but this does, yeah. especially as a 16 year old, you know, like not <laughs> I feel like I didn't have that much self-awareness when I was 16. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know, I made up for it in college by doing dumb shit, too. But like <laughs> like everybody else, not like, you know, I don't want anybody listening to me like, man, that, that boy, Jack, he's got everything together. Like, I, you know, the same. <laughs> I've had the same trials and tribulations that every dumb 20 year old and has had and, you know, going through life and shit like that. But as far as just like. 
uh, knowing that something has to turn around, right? You know, how right. how how did I get here? I got here from that moment and being like, nah, man, I, I need to 180 this shit. Um, yeah. yeah. What, how did you deal with, like, I think you said something about you kind of stopped hanging out with your old friends or, like, you know, started making new ones, maybe, I think, in drama or whatever. Yeah. Like, how did that affect you as a kid? Because I feel like our social circle, especially when we are, like, in our teens, is, like, usually an important part of our lives. Yeah. So I'm just curious about, like, did that affect you in any way? It, it did. It was pretty interesting, actually. You know, I'm... um like I I've been told I've always been naturally charismatic and all this bullshit. But like I and like I can talk to anybody and I can fit in anywhere and things like that. So that's kind of how high school was for me. I was never like the most popular kid in each group, but I was like allowed into each group. I was I was that like person yeah. in high school where like the popular kids fucked with me. Like, you know, these kids fucked with me. The, like everybody fucked with me, right? And everybody yeah. enjoyed being around me, uh, type thing, right? So that that's what high school was like for me. And then when I joined drama, I, you know, had a conscious uh, or a crisis of conscience a little bit or just a, a crisis of identity, I should say, cuz Again, now I'm finding who I am, too. You know, I'm acting now, right? So I go from braids to cutting my hair and, like, changing my, like, appearance and, like, all this shit as I'm trying to find, like, well, what does an actor do? What is an actor? How does an actor, mm -hmm. like, carry himself outside of the craft, right? Like, I'm learning the craft yeah. and, you know, very Will Smith-esque where, you know, after he was rapping <laughs> and then went to the Fresh Prince and he how he changed right. his whole life. He changed the way he talked and he changed the way. Like, that's that's a that's a thing for especially black kids who grew up in urban areas entering white-ass spaces. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and like, that's what I was. I was entering a very white space in theater just in general, entertainment just in general. Uh, yeah. so you try to find yourself in that. So like a lot of the homies that I was hanging out with before, like they would be like, man, why won't I hang out no more? So it was almost like I was shunning them, but I wasn't, you know, like I would still hang out with them sometimes, but not like I used to like, so they were all confused and was like, this nigga don't like, you know, fuck with us no more. And then I'm not, now I'm hanging out with more like drama kids, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> white girls are starting to like me and shit so i'm like oh okay well, you know like it's all everything that like black people entering white spaces you know deal with but then now now also like as i'm changing now i'm also dealing with motherfuckers like oh look at this wayne brady ass nigga like you know so mm -hmm. now i'm getting that mm -hmm. too you know like the oh look at this you know oh, acting theater articulate ass motherfucker you know so it was a very interesting time those last two, once I joined drama, like senior year of high school was very interesting um, for me. And Did that bother you? Like getting people being like, well, who is this uh, fucking dude? Not really, because I was enjoying myself still and I knew who I was. Um, and I was still finding who I was, obviously, but I knew who I was. And, and very early on, I learned like, oh, if you don't fuck with me, then I don't fuck with you type thing right you know so I, yeah. I, I learned that pretty early on in life so anybody who would come to me with that type of stuff I would just be like 
And then, uh, and then also again, you know, I I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I grew up having to have your Dukes up. So anybody that like, you know, started to, you know, say some sideways shit. Like I was very comfortable also saying, "Well, fuck you with your big ass pimple ass no." You know, I would also like, sure, I could also get in there and be and be like, "Oh, you want to try to like talk about me and hurt me? Oh, I can do that too." You know, so like yeah. it was very. So I was never ill-equipped to deal with to deal with that when it was presented to me in a negative way, I should say. But Right. Yeah. Who kind of who kind of instilled that um like, okay, well if you don't fuck with me, then I'm not going to fuck with you mentality. <laughs> like what can you attribute that to? Or like any particular person or Yeah. I mean, d- probably definitely obviously my family, but mo- more specifically and my mom, especially at during the teenage years and things like that. But when I was younger, definitely my grandma. Uh, I'll never forget my grandma. My grandma was very much, and again, Christian woman, you know, right. loved God, speaking in tongues, all that shit, Christian-ass woman. And mm-hmm. she would always say, like, if somebody hits you, you hit they ass back. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like you hit them back. You you don't take nothing from nobody, right? And I remember there was this, <laughs> and there was this girl who was picking on me. Uh, and, you know, like, we all grow up, you know, learning as as men, like, you're not supposed to hit girls and blah, blah, blah. My grandma was like, you hit her ass back. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't give a fuck. if she hit you, you hit her harder. Like, that was the type of shit that, like, she would teach me type type stuff, right? Where it's just like, yeah. and it wasn't, and you know, I, I brought that up to say how uh, adamant she was in instilling, like, don't take shit from anybody, you know? Uh, yeah. Defend yeah. yourself, stick up for yourself. And, and like, that was, those are always hard lessons to learn, but I would probably say that was what instilled it in me the most was, all right, if you're not fucking with me, I'm not fucking with you. If you're going to fuck right. with me, I'll fuck with you right back, you know? And I've always been yeah. really, I've always been very quick with with words and, and quick with the tongue. Right. And, and one thing that I, I'm not proud of, well, I'm not not proud of it. I don't utilize it anymore, I should say. Uh, but during those teenage years, I was very good at like, oh, I know exactly what to say to hurt you. Uh, oh, for sure. Like I was very. I relate to yeah, that. Yeah, I was very good at that. Like I, like I'm going to, I'm going for the core. Uh, it's like, do you, do you really want to go there? Because yeah. if you do, I'm going to go there, and it's going to be extremely painful yeah. for you. Yeah. So just make sure you want to go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, was. I relate to that. That was me. That was me, uh, especially in my younger years. Was very, uh, very go for the jugular. Very, you know. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and, and it got me in trouble. It got me in trouble a lot, you know, uh, talking back and, you know, somebody saying something like in class, like low voice, and then me standing up. It was like, yo, this bitch right here, you know, like it got me in trouble. <laughs> like it got me in trouble like a lot growing up because that's just what I knew, you know, is what I knew. And yeah. again, like as an adult, like I don't. I don't need to, thankfully, like do anything right. like that because I don't put those type of people around me. But like, you know, it's still somewhere in there. Uh, yeah. yeah. Would you say like your grandmother was the person who kind of helped you the most through ch- like challenges or like challenging times or yeah. your mom or I mean, it sounded like you had a pretty good guidance counselor. I mean, you really <laughs> only said one sentence about that person, but 
I never had a guidance counselor be like, "What are you interested in?" Yeah. Okay, I'll help you get into that class. Like, I think with the I think with rad. the guidance counselor, he just saw potential, and he was just like, "You're wasting it," right? Yeah. Um, he yeah. saw potential. He saw I was a bright kid. He saw, and he just saw like, "You're just being lazy, bro." Like, yeah. Like you know, and as an adult, I can see that now. Like you can tell when somebody like has something that they're not applying, as opposed to like this person needs a little extra help. Like, this person yeah. doesn't have it right now, as opposed to, this person has it and just ain't doing shit with it. Like, you can kind of tell that uh, in a way, sure. especially if that's your job. Uh, but growing up, I would probably, I mean, look, both my mom and my grandma, for sure. Um, my mom, especially as I as I got older, like as I hit the tween and teenage years, my mom, 100%. Because, uh, yeah. again, you have to remember, my mom was 16 years old when she had me. So, like, she right. was a kid herself uh, mm -hmm. working. And me and my mom were at each other's high school graduations. Like, <laughs> you know, so, like, yeah. so, you know, she she's very much still a kid herself, right? So I would say up until, like, 10, like, I was raised by my family and my mom was there all the time. You know, she was a, she was a great mm -hmm. mom, but I was with my grandma all the time. Because when I was at home, when my mom was at work, I was at home with grandma, you know? Right, I right, was, right. I watch soap operas to this day because I watch them with grandma. Like, I love The Price is Right because I watch it with grandma. Like, my, you know, so, like, my grandma definitely in those, like, childhood years. And as I mm -hmm. got into the teen and tween years and started to kind of rebel against, like, her style of discipline, especially with it being very rigid and conservative and religious. Mm -hmm. Um uh, my mom's reins were a lot looser. Uh, not as loose. Like, my mom used to still spank me and discipline yeah. me and shit like that. But, like, my mom, but me and my mom were a little closer in age. So she was a little more, mm -hmm. she's just a generation above me, you know? Uh, right. So, uh, right. So, like, I guess, like, my, I related to her more. So, like, her style of discipline and her style of upbringing was what I gravitated toward more during like my teen teenage years and things like that yeah are you i know you mentioned your grandmother being religious are you a religious person no, not at all uh um, what made you sort of go a different direction uh my mom is a lesbian or bisexual okay. but yeah like um but and when we found that out around 2000 um and as you can imagine religious grandmother her religious mm -hmm. mom didn't take mm -hmm. too well to that. Sure. Uh, they didn't talk for like a year. Mm -hmm. um, and I was still, and you know, like once I moved away from my grandma, like I would still go to church. Like I went to the same church that Obama went to, um, Reverend mm -hmm. Wright, Reverend Wright, Jeremiah yep. Wright. And like that church, like this is before gay marriage was legal or marriage was legal right. for everyone, I should say. Um, like they held a commitment ceremony at that church like for my mom and her partner um so like mm -hmm. just and, and so you know like I, i'm seeing this way of living but still in like church and i'm seeing this other way of living uh and you know the religious way and like the judgmental way and that's still mm -hmm. in me like a lot of you know i grew up homophobic you know and just because the church is homophobic and that's what you and i was a black right. kid on the south side of chicago and i grew up mm -hmm. in the hip-hop like world like every mm -hmm. everything that could have made me homophobic made me homophobic right and not in sure. like a, i don't want gay people to touch me but just like you know 
whatever. Yeah. And yeah. um and so like I was and then I started dating this girl who also was religious. And uh and I remember when they found out my mom was a lesbian, like we had to have a talk. We had to have a talk. And and like my and my grandma was there and like you like oh you know listen i'm praying hard and like they're uncomfortable and like my girlfriend is like i don't know if we could date anymore even though her best friend is gay uh and even though like she'll be in church like praying and praising jesus and then come home and we'll fuck for like an hour like it was all types of right like, right and, I'm, and, and then it also had me just contradictions, contradictions, on contradictions. contradictions. yeah mm-hmm. and then it also yep. had me like questioning like you know why is my mom gay and i don't like and then like i sat down and and i was like this has me going against the only person in my life who has been there for me since day one right and who has sacrificed everything for me and who has done everything for me and i am having a conversation with this family about if it's okay for her daughter their daughter to be around me because my mom likes women like and like this is what the church is and like and like that started to not sit right with me at all and I didn't love that and and I was like this is not for me um Mm -hmm. you know so like I, I I believe in God and I believe in a higher power and I believe in karma and all this other shit, but I'm not religious at all. I haven't been to church in fucking over a decade plus. Uh, that's yeah. maybe a lot. I've gone to church with my grandma maybe once or twice in the past 10, 12 years. But yeah, I, I you know, and, and there's things in the church that are great, I think, um, or in certain religions that are great, mostly just like be a good fucking person type thing. Yeah. Or believing in faith. I think having faith is great. I think having faith in like, you know, a magical man in the sky is maybe a little uh maybe it's a little much a little yeah. much but having faith that like something has you i think is a beautiful thing um, yeah i think it's totally it's a beautiful thing so like you know i, I still have those entities or the, that set of morals inside of me but like i'm not religious at all um i don't buy into anything that the quote bible says uh for how to live our lives um or anything like that but you know i still get it you know my grandmother's still alive so i still you know whenever i talk to her you know i know there's probably gonna be some prayer uh or you know and and i respect it i still respect her i respect her i respect it i respect anybody who that is you know what they subscribe to i'm never you know because i grew up in it so i I still yeah get it but yeah not for me was that like a was that like a tough time then? Like, cause you have your kind of your, and if I'm hearing it correctly, you have like your grandmother and her beliefs on one side, and then your mom and who she is on the other side, and you're kind of in the middle of these two people. Or is that not really how it went down? Uh, no, it wasn't. I, uh, I don't know. Like, was it like choose a side type of vibe? Beto- no, no, none, none of them ever made me feel like I had to choose a side. And and I really attribute that to my mom uh, more than anything else because my mom knew my mom knew what type of person my grandmother was. And she knew like every person who has to come out, you know, like uh, it was just the hardest thing to do to your family is Mm -hmm. come out because, you know, you know what the 
And again, like I said, this is the fucking early 2000s. This is before MySpace yeah. and shit. You know, we were still on AOL. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so, you know, it's just a different time as well um, in our in yeah. our history. And, you know, so, and for her to never badmouth my grandma and never, like, be like, hey, like, what's your, like, the way you feel, like, even, I remember one time I even said, like, I just don't get gay people, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And she said, like, that hurts me that you say that. But she never, like, made me feel like if you don't accept me, like, then I don't accept you or... Like if you yeah. if you you know are with your grandmother like she still like it was nothing but love there so um, when I know like her position was the hardest one like my grandma's position mm-hmm. doesn't fucking matter her right. position is a is a position of of lack of under misunderstanding lack of understanding sure. hatred bigotry mm-hmm. uh, not bigotry uh, 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 homophobia and you know just mm-hmm. oppression her her view is an, mm-hmm. uh, a view of oppression so her view. And how hard it was for her doesn't, I don't want to say it doesn't matter to me because unfortunately, like, you believe what you believe. And I know, like, her inner turmoil is no less of um, importance when it comes to self-importance as it is to her as it would be for the rest Mm -hmm. of us. And she's gotten a lot better. You know, she's, I mean, she's grown and progressed a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like... You know, she doesn't, I don't even think she subscribes to like, oh, my daughter going to hell. Like, I don't even, my, she was like, now my daughter going to heaven, my daughter. You know, like, I think she even yeah. subscribes, like, she doesn't, so she's grown, we've grown a lot, thankfully, as a family, and I think I have more to do with that than anything else, because, like, I've just been, I've always been just, like, the calming, the calming, mm-hmm. like, force Like the mediator, or, like, the... Not even yeah. have to mediate, but just kind of, like, my energy almost dictates the family's energy. Um, yeah. It's always kind of been like that, especially since I've been a, a teenager and beyond. You know, like, nobody in my family was a Cubs fan before I was born, and, and now they're all Cubs fans. Like, nobody went to theater before I was, like, you know, in theater. Yeah. Nobody, you know, nobody, all these things that, like, our family just kind of feels like I, I'm kind of in the middle of it. So, like, once I decided, like, oh, we're going to be good with this. Like, every, it, it kind of was like, all right, then we're going to be good with this type thing. Right? Yeah. Does that ever feel like an overwhelming responsibility or are you always like, you know, like, no, this is fine. Like, I'm fine being the like one to like kind of calm, calm everybody or get everybody on the equal playing field or on the same page. Kind of. No, it doesn't. No, it's never felt it's never felt like a huge responsibility because it's not a responsibility that I that I willingly take on. Um, Right. Is type thing yeah but i'm not i don't live my life any differently knowing like knowing that that is the case like again i just kind of go about my day and go about my business type thing Mm -hmm. so because of that i don't i don't take on that responsibility um Mm -hmm. if that makes Mm -hmm. any sense like i know i know what it is but i don't take it on you know i don't right put it on myself that's a that's that's big like that's huge to be able to be like yeah, I know what it is. I'm not gonna. Ta- I'm not taking it on. It's just like me existing and yeah. like being who I am in the spaces that I'm in. Like, well, that's pretty great. Yeah. What would you say is the most um, one of the most challenging things you've been through in like the past five years? 
Oh man, that's easy. Um, uh, it besi- is. Yeah. Besides the pandemic, obviously. Um, right. When the person I was dating in 2020, long-term dating, like we were engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we yeah. were engaged, dating since college. Um, her mother died the day after day after Christmas. Um, I found her dead the day after Christmas. Oh my um, god. And again, this is the end of 2020. We're in the middle of that first huge winter surge, if you remember. Um, yeah. It was unexpected. We were just with her the night before. It was Christmas Day. We, she died the day after oh Christmas. We were God. just, she cooked us dinner. Um, you know, I'm also, like, I'm sure most people, in, I'm in the midst of, like, just the worst anxiety I've ever had in my life at this point in time as well like health anxiety and just like just every everybody was fucked up and i was fucked up too and then for this to happen it was it was rough it was a rough ass time you know like and you know she was very close with her mother they talked to each other like three times a day and i'll never forget so the morning of like the her mom wasn't answering texts and that was unusual and she came to me Excuse me. And I had, um, I forget what I was doing. I think I was doing like a VOR audition or some shit. And I was like, after I'm done with this, look, we'll just go over. We'll go over. Because I, it like, two, three three weeks later, I went through the same thing with my mom where I was like, she ain't answering the phone. It's been too long. I got my ass in the car and went. Because my mom moved to California a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. And I went to go check on her ass. And her ass was up here talking to the maintenance man in the garage. So I was upset. <laughs> and, but I was like, she's fine. Your mom is fine. We got in the car. Her mom just moved here a month before that to be closer to her kids. And... um knocked on the door no answer and man that was it was rough man it was rough i i told all three of them i I was on the phone with her brother when i found her it was like she's dead told her older brother like you need to come here now like and just just knew she was losing then she'd like i had to break the door down she had left the premises by that time, the paramedics had got there, and when um, when I found her, and they confirmed, you know, that she was she was gone, and there's nothing that they could do, I had to go find her, and man, that was truly the hardest walk and the hardest. I found you, and I'm walking towards you, and you know, you already know. I didn't even have to say anything. Like she think to this day, she thinks like I can't believe you. Like, I, I can't believe you had to, like, tell me that. Like, tell me that. Because I know, you know, everybody knows how close they are. Uh, and, like, that's just how she remembers it. I didn't say a word. Like, I did not say a fucking word. She just remembers it that I had to tell her. Uh, but I didn't have to. Like, as soon as she saw me, she knew and she, like, broke down. And, like, I went to go again. I was just like, I'm sorry. It was just, man. And so, like, dealing with that. You know, because my mom had me young, everybody in my family is young type thing, right? Uh, like, my mom is only 50, she'll be 53 this year. My grandma is, you know, 77. You know, like, everybody's still relatively mm-hmm. young-ish. So, mm-hmm. I haven't had to deal with much in immediate family loss um, in my life. Uh, but, you know, this is a woman I knew for 
over a decade and and just dealing with that man that was um that was a hard ass time and that made me that made me really reevaluate just like people who are important to me and yeah. and dealing with that and and having a first hand seat to grief um you know somebody grief else's during grief. isolation too yeah grief during a very difficult time you know, mm-hmm. like we couldn't have a funeral right away. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we had a little showing just for a private, like four, five or six of us. And that was hard and everything was delayed. They didn't find out what killed her until like two, three months later because like everything was delayed. We didn't have a memorial until May. Uh, and she passed away day after Christmas, you know, so it, it just it was like blow after blow after blow after blow or like reminding of like this woman passed like. You know, because most times, especially pre-pandemic, when somebody dies, you kind of get all that shit out the way in two months, in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and like mm-hmm. it was just ongoing. It, it was it took like five, six months for like the whole process to complete. Um, And in the midst of this, we're also having problems, you know, relationship wise. So it was just it was course, it was yeah. it was by far the toughest uh, time in my adult life um, yeah. that I've ever had to deal with and hopefully will have to deal with for a very long time. Um, yeah. How did, I mean, how, how did you deal with that? Like, did, did anything give you hope? Did you, did, I mean, I, I lost a friend during at the end of 2022, yeah. but uh, he was tw- 28 and it was like super unexpected but there was like it was like a zoom funeral like it just was so not how death is supposed to be and like how um grief is supposed to be like there's a reason that we have funerals when we do and like there's a reason there you are there physically with other people it's like <clears throat> to not have that is is makes grieving and moving on very very hard yeah. so i'm just wondering like wh- like did anything give you hope in those moments or how did you get through that um, or is it just time it's, it's mostly just time you know like yeah. i you know a few months before that my best friend my best friend in the world my brother we've known each other since seventh grade right uh his mom died so like at the end of that i was just like i'm tired of burying the people's closest to me mothers (laughs) you know like i'm tired of like it was exhausting and um just therapy yeah therapy one is one way uh mostly time like to this day like Mm -hmm. before that I would probably I could go sometimes like two or three days without talking to my mom, like even just a text, like literally just like two or three days where I haven't had any contact with her, Uh, which I know some people are listening to that and be like, that's crazy. And other people are listening to like, oh, that's pretty normal. Like and not saying mm-hmm. like I didn't, but just like two or three days where like not even a text. Now to this day, every morning, every night, good night, good morning, good night, good morning, good night, good morning, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah. And um, and just to worry about that too, you know, like I have health anxiety, so like getting over, like her dropping dead basically was like affecting me in that way, and and the grief of uh, 
Jess and like her grief that she's still dealing with to this day. Um, of course. Who doesn't, you know, when you lose your mom. Yeah. And it's just time, you know, it was it was just time. I don't think there was any magic thing that and I know that's not what you were asking, but like, yeah, there yeah, was yeah. no magic thing that like. I can't attribute it to outside of like getting out and getting out of the house was a big key and just trying to do things and like keep your mind off of the world we live in was a big deal. Mm -hmm. Like I said, therapy. But more than that, just time. Um, and you're still not over it. Like I'll, again, like I knew this woman for shit, 14 years. Um, 13 years, something like that. And, you know, so obviously I'm grieving the loss of somebody I've known, I know. And then I'm also grieving the loss of somebody who is important to somebody I loved. And I'm also grieving the loss of somebody I loved because, you know, when you lose your mother, you lose a part of you. So she's, you know, you're never the same. So, you know, you kind of, you kind of have to, so as somebody who is the support system, like you also yeah, have to learn right. how to like, you also have to get to know this new person, <laughs> you know, exactly. which is something yes. that I One did 1,000%. Yeah, which is something that I never knew. I, I just never knew. I, I had never known any of this, right? You know, I'm learning all of mm -hmm. this. Um, And also, you know, so like I said, it was just it was just mostly time that helped yeah. it because I'll still to this day, like more than like losing her and like everything else, like the thing that still will get me to this day is that day. Like that day will never like I'll never forget that mm -hmm. day. Like yeah. the day we found her and that morning and just everything like I'll never forget that day like and having to walk to her and telling her it's okay she's fine and like going and finding out she's not and like the realization like the realization from me thinking like she's fine she probably just doesn't have her phone to knocking on the door and 30 seconds was like shit she's dead like before I even yeah. found her like you just you know that that realization mm -hmm. like it's fucking crazy man it's it's really crazy mm -hmm. to experience all of that. So, yeah. was that like the first? Oh no, I guess your friend's mom two months prior to you was sort of the first death that you experienced. No, no I've, I've had other deaths, such as you know, like that okay. were important of people who were important to me. Um, his father passed away like years before that. Um, a really close cousin of mine passed away. Like the 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 cousin like you know the cousin sure. who was mm -hmm. the cousin for everybody who like was the glue that yep. held us all together died unexpectedly at a, at a work accident and that was a big deal um you know so i've had you know you know family friends who i grew up with and shit so i've had like i i just haven't had you know yeah i don't know my father so 
I mean, he's dead to me, but he also could be dead in real life. I don't know. Or his side of the family. <laughs> I'm literally the same way as yeah. you. I'm like, I don't talk to my dad. He could be dead. I don't, I don't know. Fucking know. <laughs> but like, but that's like a whole nother thing too. Yeah. Like kind of having to grieve that. Lo- I mean, I know I've had to yeah. be like, okay, so I've essentially, I have lost. My dad has essentially died to yeah. me. Like that's like a huge thing too. I thankfully haven't had to grieve that because I've only met him once in my life when I was 16. Like, yeah. He left before I was born. I met him once in my life right. and I've never seen him again. Uh, so yep. thankfully I haven't had to deal with, I haven't had to have that like, you know, that emotional toil or toll uh, with that. But I haven't had like, you know, both yeah, of my sucks. grandparents are still alive. Like my mom is still alive. The aunts that I grew up with. Yeah. Are still alive. So immediate family. Uh, it's right. still alive, but I have I have had loss as far as just like people who were important to me. But you know, do you like learn? Like, do you do you like learn? Because I've only really had the death of like one impactful person. Yeah. I mean, there's been some other deaths in my life too, but like this this one was like pretty impactful. It doesn't get easier, does it? Like with when another person dies, it's like you don't. It doesn't feel like it would get any easier. It's like yeah you've experienced it before but like it's still like fucking i think rips you yeah, apart no, i mean honestly i think it gets harder um to be honest yeah because you're just like okay here's another one yeah. like here's another person who died yeah because it gets harder for a, a few reasons one because we also are getting older so the older we get the more we become aware of mortality and yeah the longer we are with those people who pass away and and things like that so it gets harder because of that I mean, look, you know, my when her mom passed away, she is the last person on that side of the family that was alive. So that entire that entire side of the family is gone because and and so like the first person to die was her aunt, then her uncle, then her uncle's kid. So her cousin, uh, then her granddad and then her grandmother and then her mom, like all of that family is gone. So you would think hearing that, like, all right, damn, all these people gone, like, the last one, and, like, this was the hardest one for her. Obviously, because it was her mom, but, like, you know, right. so it, I, I feel like it gets, just from the experience, I feel like it gets harder because, you know, you as we get older, we know what it is we are losing a lot more. Um, How do you exist knowing all that like how do you and i ask because like i would also like to know like how does one (laughs) like continue on because you've you're obviously changed as a person right and you now know things but it's like i don't know i guess for me it's more like well we aren't promised anything we're literally not promised fucking anything yeah so what do you do with that information you know uh you know I the one thing that I I fear is that I'm going to find out more and more, you know, as I get older. Mm-hmm. Uh, because eventually these people are gonna start dying, <laughs> if I don't yeah. die first, you know. Uh, and it's truly like the only, the only, for me, it's like the only certain thing is that like, well, we're all gonna die. Yeah. Like that is certain. That is for certain. I mean, it's it's truly like you know. It's why, even though, like, I asked you if we can push the time we were starting back a little bit, but it is why I don't love being late to things um, mm, and why mm-hmm. I respect people's time so much and 
And, you know, L.A. has changed me a little bit, but not as much as, you know, like the L.A. way of time. Like, I'm still like a pretty punctual person or try to respect people's time. I try not to flake on people. I try not to do all these things that people just view as like, whatever, my time is important. It was like, no, like there is only one thing in this world we lose in this time. Everything else you can keep like everything else you can keep until the minute you lose time. Once you lose that, that's it. That's it. That Mm -hmm. is that is true. If there is something else in this world that we can lose forever and once you lose it, you can't get it back. I would love to know what it is, because to this point, the only thing I know that exists is time. That's the only thing you can lose. That once it's over, it is over. And so, you know, I think like. For me, you know, like, for instance, like last year I went to Hawaii for my birthday. I took myself to Hawaii. I was like, I've never been like, I, you know, and I don't want to go through life. I don't want this life to be over and me say I've never been like I'm going to Europe in September. Uh, first time ever. Like, so I think for me, it's just appreciating what you have and. And going out and living life and not letting and not necessarily letting life just happen to you, but mm. go out and try to live it and enjoy it when you want and ha- as much as you can, because obviously that's not as easy for everybody. And we're all mm-hmm. different people. We all have different circumstances. We all have different mental capacities. So like, it's not as black and white as like, sure. uh, just go live life, you know, like, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. you know, go live life to the capacity you can when you can. And I think if you try to do that, I mean, that's what I've learned, um, especially after her mom passed away. It's just like experiences matter, too. Mm. Like experiences matter, like because those are the things that like she took so many pictures. Right. And like it was just beautiful to just see all these pictures through life of like her life and their lives together and things like that and all the memories that they have together and of each other and of her mom and things like that and I'm just like and you know that's all we talk about when we get with our families and and our friends and you know that's all we got is just the memories so go out and like make some and have some experiences and and don't take them for granted I think is what um and have some memories of your own too that are just for you and and moments for yourself Mm -hmm. and I think like that is what I've learned um, to appreciate. Like, I've always loved travel, and I think that's the reason why. My, my grandma always says, like, if you have somewhere to go, you always have something to look forward to, and that will keep you alive, right? Because uh, I'll be damned if I die before I go to Europe. Damn. <laughs> right. I'll be damned if, be right, damned right. if I stop breathing. I'm going to make it to you. You know, so it's, it's yeah. like, you know, so it's just like, if you got somewhere to go, you'll always have something to look forward to, and that should keep you alive. And... Uh, you know, and I think like the other way she was saying that, even if she doesn't realize it was, you know, always look for the experiences in life because once it's over, that's all you got. And it's the memories and the experiences. Yeah. yeah. What would you say, like, given given all of these really fucking hard times and challenges, like, is there anything that like you're most proud 
proud of about yourself, whether it's something that like you learned about yourself during this time or like something that you gained or like a perspective that you gained or even like a skill that you feel like you gained, Hmm. like anything that you're proud of on the other side of these challenges or these fucking hard times. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I, I, (laughs) I mean, I guess I got to work on being more proud of myself. Um, (laughs) you know, I, I I think like I've always had a mentality of, um, do things that other people will be proud of or like, you know, get the respect you deserve, you know, put in the work and the respect shall, shall come type thing. And if it's not there, like, that's what annoys me more than anything else, I think. And, you know, so f- as far as self-reflection goes, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm most proud of. I, I I'm, That I'm still alive, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, and because there was a lot of moments during, especially these past two and a half years where I was just like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm yeah. going to still be alive. You know, I was scared. Yeah. For lack of a better word, just scared and 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 I think like something that I I guess something that I have learned is like you know, even going back to what we were talking about earlier um and not feeling sorry about that moment in my life, but looking at it as a win, which it was is you know, like we have a very hard time, I think, as individuals giving ourselves the same compassion we give other people. Oh, yeah. Um, And so like just trying to give myself the compassion that I would give somebody else. Um, You know, if times are hard. And I, I give my ass up and, and make an effort. Like. I can't feel bad about oh, what well, effort wasn't as good enough today because if somebody else told me that I would be like, nah, man, you got your ass up and you made an effort. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I would mean that genuinely, but like, I don't yeah. give that. I don't give myself that same compassion. Um, right. Yeah. And so I, I think like, and I'm not saying anything. I'm no, everybody does this, but I think, well, maybe not everybody, but like, I, this is a common thing. So I think like that is something that I have had to, that I'm proud of, at the very least, uh, recognizing and and trying to implement more and more every day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a wonderful note to end on. Um, thank you so much for giving me your time. Oh, I really appreciate it. This has been fucking wonderful. Um, yeah. Thanks for doing it. Of course. This was great. Thank you. <gasps> thanks for listening to this episode of How the Fuck Did You Bounce Back? New episodes every Thursday.